0: Hey guys, welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. Before we get into the Magdalena Wozinska interview today, I actually wanted to tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PickDrop. It's a really great tool. You need to send off those files to your clients you're working with. It was actually designed by a photographer, so they really had photographers in mind when they uh, designed it. Um, I've been using it for about a month now and really enjoy it. It kind of helps me keep everything organized in one spot I can create custom galleries for my clients where they can download the photos really easily. And my clients can actually write notes and rate the photos that I send to them. So it's really this kind of Help me streamline my business and keep everything organized in one spot. Uh, For years, I was just using like zip folders and Dropbox and WeTransfers and things like that. But with PickDrop, they really kind of went the extra mile and created a software for photographers. And I can't say enough about it. And actually, with today's podcast, if you use the promo code PHOTOBANTER, when you sign up at PickDrop.com, you're going to get three months free of the PickDrop image transfer tool. Um, So definitely go check it out and let me know what you guys think. Uh, like I said, I've been enjoying my experience using it. Um, so definitely, when you sign up, remember to use the promo code PHOTOBANTER when you sign up at PickDrop.com. And uh, without further ado, we'll get into the podcast here. Thanks so much. Welcome to the PHOTOBANTER podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne. And on today's podcast, I speak with photographer and director Magdalena Wozinska. Magdalena Wozinska is a photographer based in Los Angeles, California, and she has worked with clients such as Adidas, Apple, Converse, and Coca-Cola to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Magdalena about some of her early assignments, various personal projects that she's been working on, as well as her experience directing, and much, much more. It was a real pleasure talking to Magdalena, as you can tell she has such a passion for photography and what she does, so I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, uh, Magdalena Wozinska, uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this.
1: For sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited.
0: Yeah, definitely. I was just kind of curious to start off, like what you've been working on lately and what's kind of got you excited these, these days.
1: Mm. Most recent personal projects. Hmm. There's a lot. Some of them I can't
2: talk about because they're right. not public. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: Um, the most recent thing that I've recently done that I'm really excited about is, um, a couple of years ago, I met like a group of transgender kids in Oakland that skate yep. and being like one of the only girls that used to skate in Arizona, like literally the only girl to skate park besides my friend Lauren. Oh,
2: wow. Um,
1: you always feel kind of outcasted, you know, and like, uh, yeah, I kind of grew up in this world of guys skating and they took me under their wing and all accepted me but I definitely felt like I was a little bit different and stood out because I was a girl with all these guys so when I found this group of kids like trans kids skating I was like man people didn't even talk about being gay in skateboarding because it was like Mm. you know people care to talk about that and then when I met these kids I was like even though it's a totally different thing I'm like I relate to you feeling weird in skateboarding I did that too so I kind of had something that I could connect with them on, and so m- really recently I went up to Oakland and um, stayed with my buddy Max Schaff. Oh
0: wow! And he
1: legendary yeah, skateboarder. I, he, yeah, he's awesome. He actually introduced me to this crew called Unity Skateboards. Um, I was doing a trip cross country like a couple of years ago, and I stopped through Oakland to check out some motorcycles he was working on. And in the corner of the studio, he had this skateboard that said. Unity Skateboarding, and then it had, like, a male-female form on it, like, hand-painted. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, that's Unity Skateboards. And I'm like, what's Unity Skateboards? And he's like, oh, my God, it's this, like, <clears throat> group of queer skate kids that just started a few months ago. And I was like, no way, that's so cool. Mm. I'm like, so how do I get in touch with them? And they're like, well, there's this person, this person, and this person. And gave me their Instagram names, and I just started, like, contacting these kids, young adults, on Instagram. And I was like, I'd love to photograph you and um, connect and, like, let's go skate. So two years ago, my friend May and a person at the time named Trevor um, came down to L.A. and we went skating under the, like, Home Depot, like, parking lot in in Highland Park, skated some ledges, and we just kind of connected. And I was like, hey, let me know what your story is. Like, tell me how... How is life? What are you going through? Like, teach me stuff. Like, I just want to absorb the things that I can learn from the people I photograph. So Mm. they were just telling me about their life and stuff like that. And then we just kind of kept in touch. And since then, Trevor um, transitioned into Cher. And I did a mini documentary on Cher. And she's, like, the most inspiring, badass, open, talented, smart, well-spoken person. Mm. Like, ever and has this amazing punk band and lives in Oakland and is like a kind of role model for trans kids. And so we did a little mini doc that I'm going to release pretty soon and um just working on that. And I want to eventually do like, I don't know, a scripted kind of thing with her or maybe a TV series or a movie oh, wow. or documentary. So there's like, that's where it's gonna go so it started with me taking the pictures and then i was like i gotta get video of this so my friend dan deely who's like an amazing friend of mine photographer and dp um came out and we just like you know couched it in the middle of the winter in oakland and like woke up in the morning we'll go skating and (laughs) max and rachel would stay at their house and you know it just kind of brought me back to like 20 years ago when i used to go on skate trips just different subjects that i was photographing in my life and my surroundings.
0: it's pretty amazing like because i grew up skateboarding my whole life and it's pretty cool to see skateboarding these days. Um, um, like, one of my best friends, Alexis Sablon, she's a pro skateboarder. And uh, back when I skated, there weren't really that many girl skaters. But nowadays, it seems like it's more and more. It seems, like, pretty common nowadays. Like, you go to the skate park, there's a lot more women doing it, which is pretty exciting.
1: And also, they're good. Oh, yeah. You know? It's so good. And you know what's crazy? Like, I hope this never becomes a thing when people are like, oh, my God, you skate like a dude. I, don't, I hope it never becomes a thing where it's like, oh, you can't say that. Like, I hope that doesn't become a sensitivity because when people say you skate like a dude, it's because it was a very male-dominated sport. And I think that that's the biggest compliment because that means you have style. Because I skated like a chick and I was like kind of like sketchy and I looked <laughs> sketchy on the skateboard, but I can still land a heel flip and maybe it kind of looked rad.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's
1: like, I think that's a compliment. I don't think that hopefully that'll never become said like it's a bad thing but who knows mm. I mean if it does I'll just like roll with it as well but yeah like photographing Cher and May and all these trans kids was so cool because it was like you're guys, you're girls, you're gay, you're straight you're queer, you're they, you're us, you're them and it was just inspiring at like you know you kind of got to fight like every day that you walk down the street and people call you a freak because you wear makeup and like mm. people don't understand what you're going through and you're skating in mini skirts but you used to be a boy at some point like I think that that's power and that's inspiration. And so that's, that's a project that I'm really, really inspired by mm.
0: yeah. Um, yeah. that
1: I'm yeah, on no, right now.
0: Yeah. it's exciting. Do you find that like most of those like personal projects, today kind of, kind of, you kind of stumble upon them usually, or is it sometimes you kind of like are trying to find something to work on? Or is it more pretty organic for you?
1: Well, you know, it depends. Like I grew up kind of photographing everything around me and I like, Didn't really look at other people's work for inspiration because I didn't want to get sidetracked to think that I should be doing what other people do or what sells or who I should be. Mm. So I just photographed my surroundings and my friends, and that was always inspiration. But that was like 20 years of me taking the same photo in different situations that became these impulsive snapshots. Mm. And then in the last couple of years, I had a really amazing mentor named Tom Claxton, who was... My agent for quite a long time and he really helped me develop storytelling and it wasn't just like don't take just this one photo like learn about the before middle and end and mm. talk about the entire thing as a whole and I was like I'm doing it I'm doing it but I wasn't doing it <laughs> like I thought I was it but i wasn't doing it and then i was looking for it when you look for it, it never comes it's unnatural it's like finding love like when the minute you want to be in a relationship yeah. you're going to date the shittiest people when you <laughs> give up and go, like, forever like the person of your dreams like just like walks into your life yeah. so it's like that with personal projects like i definitely keep my ears and eyes open i pay attention to detail and i try to find these stories as as like equally as they like come into my life but i also like am a hyperactive really sensitive person and i'm excited about like everything
2: yep.
1: so i feel like there's a story behind everything it's not just the guy that works at the like local checkout counter at the bodega down the street it's like well where does he live what's his family like where are they from what's their living situation like what are their ancestors like What 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 kind of like things do they do on the weekends like what rare hobbies do they have you know what I mean like Mm. I love finding the deep kind of weird stuff that's not just like simply there like it's really easy just to take pictures of like pretty girls all day long or pretty like pretty people all day long but that's just not what I think um fulfills me in my work like I want to get to the nitty-gritty of like weird cool subcultures and yeah I guess you have to you have to kind of subconsciously always be open to looking for it. But if you look too hard, it won't come. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of flow. But I also like you have to travel. Well, no, you don't actually have to travel. Cause like some of the coolest shit happens literally 10 feet out front of my door. Oh, yeah. And it's just about attention to detail. And I feel like I have to go find like a motorcycle gang and, you know, like an Aboriginal motorcycle gang in, in, in like a totally different part of the world but it's like I could just walk outside of my door in Highland Park and something amazing could just be flourishing in front of me. So it's just being present. And
0: Yeah, yeah it's kind of like, I, like you said, like you're talking about you're interested about the kid who works at the corner store. Like you said, obviously with photography, it's really fun to travel. Everyone loves it. But I've always kind of respected the photographers that like – this kind of make the work that's around them interesting like you could live in Iowa or Idaho it really doesn't matter it's more of this trying to find those people and stories because they're everywhere you know
1: yeah totally and I just think that it's just it, a lot of people are always like what camera do you use or like <laughs> oh you have to have to travel and I'm like no 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 You can take photos on anything, and that's very obvious nowadays because everyone has an iPhone. But you don't have to go to the other side of the world to find something interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, look inward. Like, the most personal projects I'm doing, like, I'm working in Compton right now on a project as well. That's 20 minutes from my house. And I just drove there, and I was like, damn, I'm in a totally different world, and it's amazing. I'm so inspired to be here. And the people in the community I've been working with is, like, incredible, incredible. But that project is top secret. <laughs>
2: yeah. but,
1: um, but I'm also like writing a script about for a feature film about my mother and like growing up in communist Poland as a kid and moving to America and my culture shock coming here. Wow. And it's like it's just what's in my heart and in my mind and in my family and like my little Polish conversations with my mother on a daily and just asking her questions that she never has been asked before, so I can learn about my family. Like we all have the ability to do that. Yeah. And we think we need to outsource it from such far places but it's all like in our hands mm. you know have, what I mean
0: a- have you found I mean I mean like I've talked to a lot of photographers are, are you a type of photographer do you do you, have you photographed your family a lot like I know you mentioned you're kind of like been interviewing your mom and stuff is that something you've always done because I know me personally I don't really it's never it's just been kind of like separate for me uh but are you the type of photographer that's always kind of photographed their family growing up and
1: things Never. I never thought of it because, you know, I was, as a young kid, I was like photo assisting and I was exposed, like photo assisting in LA. You're exposed to like beauty and fame.
2: Yep. You know
1: what I mean? So back then when I was shooting things, I thought like, oh, I have to shoot fashion or, or I have to shoot celebrities or, oh, I have to light everything with an allen Chrome and I have to shoot in a studio or, oh, I need to be doing this and this and this and this and this. And then one photographer I did for Chris McPherson was like, just find your tool. Yep. He's like, find your tool. And then I got a camera that was easier to carry around. Smaller would fit in my pocket, little film point and shoot. And that was my tool. And then my whole entire body of work was built off of that. But I didn't really photograph my family at the time because I was young and exploring my art in different ways. But I was also too naive to realize, for me specifically, for who I am as a woman, how important it is to photograph my family. Mm. At that time, I just was like, I mean, at that time, the world, society, everything was just like pretty people and famous people. So I'd be like, oh, my God, I got to shoot models or like, oh, I got to shoot people that look like this. But that's because that's all I was kind of taught with what I was seeing when I was assisting. And then when I started assisting more people that were doing more lifestyle advertising stuff, Back then, it was still very, very, like, white. And it was still very, very, like, certain look and certain kind of people. And I was like, that's not real. That's so weird. Yeah. And then, I was like, okay, I want to, like, just continue photographing my surroundings. And some photos were very, like, thought-provoking. Some photos were people can look at now and be like, that's terrible, or that's great. Like, people with corpse paint and like upside down crosses on their faces. Like, I played in a metal band and I would put people's faces in corpse paint like on weekends and photograph them because I was just like exploring what it meant to take a picture of that. You know what I mean? Now people can look at it and be like extremely offended by it. But um, just in general, like, I think it's amazing the world has grown into such a great big place of like acceptance and we're all becoming more universal. And so, As that started to take shape, I started to be like, oh my God, my old mother who's paralyzed, whose boobs like sag past her hips,
2: Mm.
1: is the most beautiful woman nude to me out of any supermodel I photographed. I was like, she's my muse because she is truth and real. And she is the person that is, the only difference between my mom and me is 40 years. I am literally mother. (laughs) I am to every from her ambitions and goals to her sensitivities to her attitude to her thoughts her brain we're so similar and you know we have very similar experiences in life but um, we're just different because my skin just looks different because it's 40 years different but I started photographing her like 5-6 years ago and she had a stroke and almost passed away 10 years ago and that kind of like really like set me off to be like trying to think of my life without my mother mm. and then I realized her fragility And I wanted to capture her as much as I could with these years I have left with her. So I started photographing her more and more. And I realized it's hard to take a pretty, like what people think a pretty picture would be of a person because she's partially paralyzed. Her face is like, you know, it's pretty fucked up and like, she's kind of like lopsided and Mm -hmm. she can barely speak and she walks with a cane. But I was like, okay, well let's just, not try to put lipstick on you and take a photo of you. Let's just take a photo of you for who you are. And to me, that's really, really beautiful. And that's also one of the reasons why I'm working on making a film with her. And my goal is to make this film so my mom can see it while she's still with me because it's really important for me to tell her story because she had a pretty crazy tough life and kind of like lost everything when we moved to america and then kind of lost everything after she had a stroke so mm-hmm. i feel like it's my duty on this earth to tell people stories and it starts with my mother's and yeah. then i want to go into other communities and tell other stories for people that might not have a loud voice visually the way i do like mm-hmm. if i have a way to like connect the dots like fuck yes i'm gonna do it
0: yeah and at the end of the day the photos that are gonna to matter to you um are the photos of your family and friends because i think i know for myself like i'm uh, when you when it kind of turns into a business for you and you're trying to get work to survive and you're shooting advertising and editorial i, I think sometimes as a photographer you you can kind of lose sight of like what photos are actually important at the end of the day like i'm sure shooting whatever celebrities great but at the end of the day the photos i would imagine that matter the most to you are the ones of your friends and family right
1: Of course. Yeah. And in advertising, it's like, it's psychology. We're just like, you know, having people buy a product and sell a product Mm. in advertising. But the nice thing is as things are shifting and changing and the world's growing and evolving. Like we're actually using real people and telling real stories. So it's more relatable and yes, we're we're still selling a product, but sometimes the product is a really good product that is like helpful in life. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, But it's like, I really love working with clients where they have a, soul and a good purpose and of course there's clients that are just like just do it just to do it yep. and I'm like okay and I'll use that money to put back into my personal projects because personal projects like no one's going to pay for them <laughs> yeah. besides you so, yeah, you know I've published four of my like four books and like I self-published every one I'm like that's not cheap but like the most heartfelt like heavy deep stuff I've made like with my most recent book is like I put it out myself but um yeah shooting Ad work is amazing, and I hope that more clients fall in line with um, telling real stories with real people and allowing me to be the tool to execute like and communicate yeah. and convey that between yeah. the images. And, and, whenever, because,
0: and whenever those clients do do interesting stuff, it's like that's the stuff people remember. It's not like the fancy, like, Range Rover tr- car that someone's driving in. It's like, I don't know if you saw the recent um, Nike commercials all about women athletes and things like that. Oh, my God,
1: they're amazing. I love that stuff. Like, I'm, I'm constantly pitching things to them because I have a lot of groups of people I want to, like, highlight as well. And, yeah, it's so important because you're going to walk away and that's going to, like you're gonna you're gonna just bring awareness to real people and I think that's so important but also like with a lot of clients it's really good when you get a good job with people that understand how sensitive it is because some people are like they act like they care and they want to speak someone's truth but at the end of the day they're just like pushing it to their higher ups and saying like oh yeah 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 we'll just we'll get this we'll get this this story but like there could be a lot of manipulation behind that and a little bit of taking advantage of people. And I'm like, so overprotective with people, like, especially even if they're new to me, I'm like, Oh, hell no. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to approach this in the way that is only comfortable to them. We're not going to push on something like you have to be respectful. These are real people and real stories. Like don't use or manipulate these people to sell your brand, like be gentle and approach it gently and make sure that, you create a comfort zone for people to be able to speak their truth, and that's like I think I've been very lucky because I think I'm good at that because I want to be able to to have people feel safe with me and that they're in a safe space, mm. and I want to create that space as much as I can and yeah. so you know it's funny it's not just taking a good photo, it's the psychology behind it. Yep. you have to be calm and patient and understanding and open because your subject matters. And you have to have like a very common flow, you know what I mean? So,
0: yeah, you no, got to be able to, yeah, no, it's really interesting. The thing looking at your work that I've been really amazed about is like how you're talking, you do all these personal projects, but. Your personal projects, sometimes you can't even tell the difference between your advertising work, which is great. Um, Did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your photographic voice, you think? Or have you feel like you've always just kind of shot the same way? Because it is amazing when you kind of see a photographer that their personal work kind of blends into like maybe some project you did for Wrangler or whatever client you're working with, you know? Yeah,
1: awesome. Thanks. That's a really big compliment. I'm glad that I'm lucky enough to do that. But I mean... I just shot my environment, and then I just started learning how to pay attention to detail and how to like communicate with people. It's all about communicating with your subject. Like that's my strength. You know what I mean? Like, there's a million people that take way better pictures than me, or like know how to manipulate things on a computer way better than I am. Like, I mean, you ask me to retouch something, I'm like, what's what's Photoshop? Like, I shoot <laughs> everything on film. Yeah. And then my clients, I shoot. Uh, digitally but I'm like not trying to take away the truth of what is actually in a photo
2: mm-hmm. by
1: retouching it out so I do very minimal or have very minimal retouching done on me but or, or on my images but um, I think like taking the same photo for a really long time it started out with like me taking photos of my friends and skating and then traveling and playing in a metal band and photographing my surroundings and I remember when I published my first book when I was like 24 25 this is like Pre internet, pre Instagram, like nobody knew I existed or the book existed. I didn't have a website. And then I was approached to like talk to some people about, you know, p- potentially getting an agent later on. But I was taking these photos and like the same thing was said on repeat for years. They're like, oh, you just photograph long haired people with tattoos, like metal guys, you're going to be pigeonholed. Yep. You will never end up working in advertising, blah, 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 blah. Well, 10 years later, like, <laughs> Things have changed because the world became more open to the fact that we're shooting real people. So let's shoot real people and let's tell real stories. But taking the same photo for 20 years, I think I also evolved and matured. And I'm like, I just don't want to take photos of long-haired metal dudes with tattoos. Nothing against them. I love them. They're like my friends that I played music with. But I'm like, I want to know about other things out there. What else is out there? And so I think that slowly turned into the stuff that I shoot in advertising. But When I think I've realized I found my voice is when I found a style, and I think I found a style, I mean, I'm still evolving, I don't even, Mm -hmm. I I have a style, but my style isn't like how I shoot, it's more like what I communicate when I shoot,
2: Yeah, Yeah, you know
1: what I mean? It's not like I always use a certain color filter, or I always shoot people with this type of a background or this kind of look because, you know, some of my pictures, people are crying In some pictures, people are protesting and some pictures people are laughing and some pictures people are having sex and some pictures people are like embracing family and community In some pictures people are like riding motorcycles into the night mm-hmm. In some pictures people are playing on a laptop with their family around a dinner table for like a high end, like, company that provides internet services (laughs) all but it's like all i'm doing is just capturing like life set up or not it's just there like i'm seriously just a tool to take
0: yeah, no, it's
1: it's camera,
0: No, really exciting. Like when I look at your work, like obviously I've never met you before or ever talked to you, but I was like, I was like, Magda, she looks like she has a fun, a fun life. You know, it, there's this like the, ex- <laughs> the excitement and like, you can tell like the curiosity you have just from looking at your work. You, you, you well traveled. And like you said, you, you photograph all different types of people, you know, it's just, it, it comes through in the work, you know?
1: But you know what's crazy? When I moved here, I was nine years old. I didn't speak a word of English, and I was just so embarrassed that I was Polish. I went to ESL. Nobody else spoke Polish at ESL. And (laughs) I had a weird name, and I hated my name because nobody knew how to say it. And I was so shy, and I didn't talk to anybody. And I remember when I first found photography, I was 13 or 14, and I remember like I was not able to approach people to take their pictures. So I just started shooting self portraits Mm. and I was so scared to talk about anyone or ask them to take a photo because I was kind of like, you know, I just was fearful of speaking this language called English that I didn't know and living in this kind of culture that I didn't understand I mean, at that point I was here for a few years and I started understanding it more, but like being kind of outcasted and in skateboarding, like the only girl, I just felt a little bit like disconnected from everything and I was scared to approach it. So I started shooting self-portraits and I started shooting my friends just because it was like comfortable enough that they were there. But then when you go into the real world and you meet a bunch of strangers and you approach people on the street, it's crazy because all of a sudden you have to have a voice to ask permission or to take a photo and all this stuff. So it's interesting how it's like, changed and 10 years ago to now it's also different because back then people were honored to get your photo taken if you were walking down the street with a camera Mm -hmm. and now people are like what blog is it for do you need (laughs) a model release how much are you paying me and people have this issue with privacy although everybody's just like showing themselves off to the world on the internet through their instagram stories on a daily basis so it's it's a strange time but um
0: do you feel? Yeah, do you feel? Like it, do you feel like it took you a while to build that confidence as a photographer? Just to kind of approach anybody? Um, do you still get nerv- nervous these days? Or are you pretty much as fearless at this point of kind of approaching anybody these days?
1: It one hundred percent took me a while to get that confidence, and also there wasn't a lot of like accessible mentorship. Like you could look at photo books, but it's not like the helmet Newton was talking to me while I was looking at his pictures. I was looking at his pictures, but he, I didn't have a podcast to listen to back then or, you know, access to the internet to hear what other photographers went through. Like all I had was the people I assisted for and I assisted some great people, but also that wasn't like their work wasn't my work. So finding my own voice and having confidence to approach people was weird. And, and like, you know, magazines and fashion and, I wasn't really looking at advertising at that time. All you, I kind of had access to was magazines. I was like, oh, I have to do things like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I just realized that I don't. But I kind of like lived under a rock and like did my own thing. And then I think I became more confident in asking people because I started getting curious and curious and curious. And now I'm not scared anymore. Now it's the opposite. If I don't go up and ask to take someone's photo or if I don't take a photo, I will regret it and I will think about it for weeks
0: yeah it's a it's a it's a a i look at it's like a loss it's like oh i lost that i lost that battle you know
1: i lost that yeah and it's like even if it'll never see the light of day like i take so many photos for myself just to have it's like very special and sacred to me and it's like if i'm gonna regret a picture like that is that is something that will haunt me forever. So I'm the worst person to go on road trips with because I'm like, oh my god, we gotta stop there. Did you see that cow crossing the road? And I'm like, oh wait, I want to go stand under this waterfall. Let's take a photo. And I'm like, seriously, the worst person to travel uh, with, probably, because I want to take photos all the time. But to me, photography is like an extension of my identity. Like my, a camera should might as well just grow out of my hand. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's like. This might not be good to say publicly, but you know what? I'm not good at anything else. So this thing that I got going, I hope it just goes and evolves and becomes better and bigger and grander. Because right now it's so competitive and it gets really scary. But like, this is all I'm good at. But I'm obsessed, addicted, and I feel like I was put on this earth to like have a voice to tell people stories through my pictures. Yeah. And I hope it just continues, you know, because, like, what else am I going to do? I don't know. I mean, I thought about it when, when I have slow months. I'm like, I could totally be the checkout counter girl at so, Safeway or be a dog walker. I love dogs. Yeah. But then I'm like, but then what would I do? I still need to take pictures. <laughs> so the fact that I can make money and take pictures, I'm, like, so grateful and so honored that people trust me to do that with their brands mm-hmm. and their families and their friends and yeah. all that stuff. Like, it's a big deal yeah, for me. De- yeah, I'm
0: not no, definitely. I'm honored. When And, like, when did you start to think, like, this, I mean, did it could be, like, a career for you. Like, was there, like, a point where you're, like, oh, I need to, like, start finding a way to, like, make money? Like, how did that all kind of come together for you?
1: I think when I was in my early 20s and I was assisting people, I started shooting a little bit of, like, here and there and look books and stuff like that. But before that, when I still lived in Arizona when I was, like, 17 or 18, I remember a magazine flew me out to Spain to shoot skate photos. To France and Spain, and Man. I was like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "You guys are sending me to uh, Europe." What magazine was? Th- what
0: magazine was that?
1: Honestly, I don't even remember. <laughs> it was an all-girls skate trip. Okay. And they paid for my film, which is crazy that somebody paid for my film. It was so hard back then to like even be a photographer because you had to like make enough money to buy film or a camera or have rich parents, which I didn't have, but. Yeah. They flew me out to Spain and France and I shot photos for them. And I was like, okay, that's crazy. Like, I don't even think I got paid, but I was like, somebody else is paying for this. Yeah. And then I moved to LA and I was like, oh, I totally shot for magazines before. I'm cool. And I was like, 1920. And then I got here and they're like, who are you? I'm like, uh, nobody. I was like a, like I was a sperm in an ocean when I came here. Mm. And in Arizona, I was like a shark in a puddle because,
2: yeah.
1: you know, I thought I was a shit. Um, <laughs> so I started assisting and as I started assisting, I kept shooting my friends and I kind of saw what other people were doing, but I still didn't get it. I was like, okay, you do this for a living, but I don't know. I don't get what you're doing because it's different than what I'm doing. And then I started shooting like a little bit of lookbooks here and there. And then I started shooting more and more and more. And then I was like, you know what? I have so much work and I don't have a way to show it. And like, I didn't even have a website. I didn't even know how to make a website. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to publish a book. Nice. So I made a book and I put together photos of like the last eight seven years of my life from the time I was like eighteen to like twenty four or six years. And then I put out a book and then I was like, Oh, I'm gonna just like show this to people but nobody knew who I was, so nobody would like answer to an email or like call me back. So I would just stay up all night cold calling people in like London mm-hmm. and pretend that I had meetings with them or pretended I knew the creative director at like days and <laughs> confused. And I'd be like, Hey, I really wanna come in and show my book and they'd be like, Who are you? You know what I mean? And like people just I kind of like had to find a way to like sneak in there for people to pay attention to me cuz I just had no connection to that world mm. but I knew that it existed. So I would just save my money assisting and then I would um I flew out to like London and New York and had meetings and showed people my work and then I just kept trying a little bit and a little bit and a little bit more people started seeing my work and then I think like I started shooting a little more advertising a little more advertising and then I got a website, and then I published another book, and then Damn. the next thing you know, <laughs> the Internet takes over, and then everybody knows that you exist. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, it's pretty so. It's pretty intense because, you know, a lot of photographers listening to this, um, you know, they look at your website, and they see, like, you've shot these big campaigns for Wrangler or Converse or Uber. And it, how would you explain it? Because it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes, like,
2: oh, no. de- decades. Oh, you know, it. <laughs> I
1: feel like every day I'm holding on by a string, but it's even harder now. Like I'm 35, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm no spring chicken. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes i lose campaigns to 18 year olds that people find on Instagram because they're so excited about youth, which I super appreciate and like love that young people are doing this. But at the same time, it's like, get the experience, go assist, know how to be on set, learn like the value of photography. Don't just take photos because you impulsively take it on your iPhone. Like Learn how to work as a team. Learn how to work with clients. Like, that's so important, you know? Mm -hmm. And in a way, it's tricky. Like, I got a job when I was 14 years old at the food court at the mall. Like, I lied about my age. I was supposed to be 16. I was 14. Just so I could buy film and so I could buy, like, a camera so I could shoot photos so I could find my passion. Nothing was handed to me ever. I think people have a way easier way of doing things nowadays,
2: Mm. but also
1: it's way harder because everyone's a photographer because this thing called the iPhone came out, and when the iPhone came out, it it made it accessible for everybody to put on a filter, and then Instagram came out in 2011 or 10, and then that was everyone's free website to show themselves off. So that rose the competition tremendously, so it's harder for young artists, for people to pay attention to them. But what it is is like, what you have to do is nothing's overnight. We live in this culture where everything has to be like right now, two seconds and you're already overseeing something because we have no attention span. And it's like this kind of a career, if you're going to have a good one, it takes a long time to build. There's no such thing as making it. I'm not at the top or the bottom. I'm just in the middle yep. and I'm just trying and working hard but it doesn't get easier like I think it gets harder constantly
0: trying to keep the train on the tracks you
1: know what I mean oh yeah (laughs) and it's like what's gonna happen like when I'm a little bit older and I don't have this much energy like I'll still be curious but like energetically like physically like how am I gonna keep going and running around after I'm like running after like a bunch of 15 year old kids because they (laughs) inspire me and like what happens when you want to settle down and have a family and kids like do you just disappear Mm -hmm. no but like It's just there's so much to think about at my age because the people that are like 30 years older are like iconic and they don't even need Instagram just because they're like the biggest photographers in the world. The young kids are taking over the world with it. And they're so good and they're so savvy and they know so much about computers and InDesign and files and editing, all the shit that I never learned. And they're like superhumans. Like, oh, my God, 20-year-olds are so smart. Like, I was so not at their level that they are now. And then there's people like me that are just kind of in the middle. Like, we got technology but we jumped on it because we needed to. Mm -hmm. And some of us probably wish we didn't have like a full-time Instagram job also, but also it spreads our love and our work and it's amazing. So there's pluses and there's minuses, but in general, it's, it's a hard time to be a photographer because there's so much competition for young people. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, there's a lot of competition for me now too, with the people that are my age or younger Mm -hmm. and it kind of can be frustrating that everyone's a photographer because a lot of people could be good at a lot of other things. And then there's people like us, Mm -hmm. like me who that's like, that's all I know. That's all I know.
0: And it becomes, it becomes tough because like you said, there's so many people and a reality of it. When you have that many people, it's oversaturated. People will give their work away for (laughs) basically nothing just because they want the work so bad, which I understand to one degree, but then it kind of hurts everyone in the grand scheme of things when, Joe Schmo is going to shoot for American Express for 1200 like just because he wants the
1: job. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we're in a weird place right now, you know, and I just stay positive because I'm fulfilled through my personal projects, but there's definitely slow times, yep. and then there's amazing times, and when the amazing times come, that's great, but also it's like when it's oversaturated, it's like it's crazy because everybody's really fucking good. Like oh, these yeah. kids are really, really good, but then when there's a bunch of really, really good people – what stands out that's really good. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of walking backwards and just being like, I just want to bring like light and awareness to rad groups of people around the world. And hopefully people in advertising can that and hear that, and that's where I will find a connection to having a career, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, and I just want to make movies yeah, <laughs> on nah, top of it all. No,
0: nah, that's cool. And you know, we kind of mentioned Instagram, and I was interested in talking to you about it because I know you, you have like uh, two different accounts you run, and they both have big followings. And I've had this conversation with some, like, photographer friends, and, like, I was kind of curious, like, what do you think about Instagram? Um, Because I know talking to some photographers, they can sometimes get down comparing their work to other people. Um, And then also, for me personally, I just just have the opinion that Instagram's kind of like an illusion. It's like a highlight reel. You know what I mean? Like, have you ever gotten those zones where you kind of compare yourself to other people or what's your kind of take on Instagram, I guess?
1: I mean, I think one of the things that it does that's so crazy is, like, I'll lose a job and then I'll see my friend got it. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I'll see that on Instagram. Like, I'm not supposed to see that. (laughs) And I don't want to because all of a sudden you lose your self-esteem and you forget that you're – that I'm, like, an amazing independent woman, immigrant woman that worked so hard to get to where she's gotten. And all of a sudden – it's like a millisecond from a scroll comes by and then I like start questioning.
0: Like what did I do wrong? Me? (laughs)
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's nothing personal, but Instagram is an amazing tool to help spread your work.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I will say that, but I, I actually don't know how much it benefits my work. Like for me personally, like some people run their businesses off of it, but like I just started my photo account on Instagram a year and a half ago. Yep. I never had a photo account. I only had, like, the Magdalena Experience, which is a a personal project I've done forever. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is, it's actually lost momentum, and, like, I've lost, like, 12,000 followers in the last year on it. Oh, really? And, yeah, because I think people are just over the fact that I've been doing the same thing forever and I'm like, oh my God, do you know how hard it is to swim across a freezing river to stand on a fucking rock under a waterfall that's like glacial to take this picture? Like, but I'm doing it because to me, that's art. It's not advertising. It's not personal work. It's like an art meet like, it's like an art project and a series that I've been doing for almost 20 years yeah. and posting it on Instagram for 10 years. But maybe it's been devalued because it's digitally and done on the internet as well.
0: If I had to guess the, the 12,000, I would guess a lot of those are probably just like fake accounts because I think they kind of go through and clear them out. You know what I mean?
1: But it happened over the last year and a half. And you know, it's really pathetic. Like when I started seeing the numbers drop, it actually like made me kind of bummed. But then I was like, oh, my God, it's a number that's computer-generated by a computer yeah. that I have no control it's a wa- over. It's
0: a, waste like, of, it's a waste of energy. That's why I've been trying to, like, oh, because it's it's easy and to I go on there and just get, because I've, I've had this conversation with so many people. It's like you just got to focus on your own thing and obviously pay attention to it, but, like, just do your own thing.
1: Yeah, you just got to, like, what I do is, like, I put a photo out, and then I just send it off, and then I don't do anything else I don't look at it very often Mm -hmm. I don't it's not a part of my life a lot of my friends just stopped using it and it's just like for as good as it is like we all feel like we need to have it as photographers or directors but it's as good as it is it brings tremendous amounts of anxiety and depression to so many people around us and that's not normal like Sometimes, I just say this for fun, but I wish the internet would explode so we would have to call each other on the phone. People would actually respect you and know that your work (laughs) is good. They would meet you in person. They wouldn't judge you by your photos or what kind of stuff you shoot or didn't shoot or who you hang out with or what party you were at last night. And if people just liked you for the fact that you were like, a good human being and we connected and like we did we we went on walks together and got coffee together and we weren't looking at everything that's dictated by the internet like life was so simple back then when that existed and I'm so grateful that I grew up skating in the 90s at that time like it was just me and my friends and like the gross 40 of like old English at the (laughs) skate park Yeah, but it was real and that was my childhood and I was not having anxiety about what sleepover I wasn't invited to and it's like it's really, really, really scary in pre-teenage girls right now, too, yeah. of how they're being treated and bullied. Like, there's so many yeah. podcasts talking about, with, with with psychiatrists and psychologists, talking about how it's affected people negatively. So, as photographers, it's like, if you know my work and you know my name, I, it'd be cool if people just, like, respected me, trusted me, and honored that I do good work, and they didn't need to see numbers or yeah. anything on Instagram, because whether I have a big following to some people or I don't, like I don't really know if it's helped me gain jobs Yeah. because people will automatically go to my website. So yes, maybe the internet shouldn't explode, but it should kind of like be only like, you can only have a website. You can't have a website and three Instagram accounts. You can't have all of it. <laughs> yeah, know. no, it's just, it's just, it's just
0: interesting because in, in one sense we're more connected than ever, but then in another sense we're less. We're co- disconnected. Yeah, because it's like, it's almost weird like if you like call someone now it's almost like wait why are you calling me
1: (laughs) people get so (laughs) offensive like or defensive like oh my god i'm really busy what are you doing calling me on the phone and it's like are you kidding me like i just saw this thing recently actually on instagram but it said when phones had cords we were free (laughs) so when phones were at home like you would just come home from school and then you would call your friend back the next day on an answering machine but there was like Love was real. Like yep. the sunsets were real. <laughs> Riding a motorcycle was real. Like it's still real now, but there's also this thing in between what's happening and like what's being photographed or videotaped or filtered
2: mm-hmm. through our
1: iPhone. So it's not just Instagram, it's also iPhones. Like we really do we really need a phone that tells us everything? Like, yes, we have Google at our fingertips. That's great. But then it's like do people know how to go to a library anymore and read a map and like p- yeah. drive their own car and like know which way the south south east north and west is and like it's i don't know it's a weird time let's, man let's <laughs> let's
0: go back to the flip phone magda let's go back to the flip phone <laughs>
1: uh, i mean i'm down like you want to <laughs> me? Like, yeah. that's cool and then i'll just walk down the street and like meet my friends and we'll talk about life yeah you
0: know? um but you know one but project also uh sorry it's
1: I was just going to say one last thing. It is giving a lot of opportunity to a lot of people and a lot of voices are being heard, which I think is really, really, really amazing and important. Mm -hmm. I just think that it's up to each person what they want their emotions to be. So I think like people just need to not take this app as photographers, especially like so seriously, like Instagram isn't your life and your work living on Instagram isn't the life of your work. Your work is what you do when you go out to a community and you Mm -hmm. tell a story. 100%,
0: 100%, I agree. It's it's a great tool. It's just a balance. Um, but one uh, project I was really excited to talk to you about, you did, is called South Central Cowboys. I was curious what that project was about. The photos were really interesting.
1: Oh, cool, thanks. Um, I was photographing a group of ladies and gentlemen in South Central on the back end of a documentary that just came out about them called Fire on the Hill that was done through riot. And um, I had been asked to photograph the movie posters for it and so I went down there and started photographing them and they were so good in front of the camera because they've been in front of the camera for like seven years now during the documentary but we just had an amazing connection and we photographed a group of um, ladies and gentlemen that had one of the first like all-black equestrian centers not sure if it was all black, but mostly black equestrian centers in Southern California that was built in 1937. Mm-hmm. And in 2012, that stable was um, burned to the ground. And when the city came in to check out what caused the fire, which that's kind of like not spoken about, but it seems like somebody wanted to get rid of one of their horses and pour- poured gasoline on one of their horses and lit it on fire. Jesus, Um. Yeah, so I think that was kind of like a little bit of a twist in there. Um, When the city came in, they're like, oh, none of this is to code. We need to close you guys down. But, like, none of the, like, stables in South Central and Compton, that area, were up to code. So they closed this whole stable down. People had to move their horses to, like, different backyards and different stables around South Central and Compton. And um, they have been trying to rebuild the stable since then because a lot of these stables are – you know, a pastime for kids after school, they would go there and learn the responsibility of like how to saddle a horse and groom a horse and shoe a horse and do all this stuff. And so all these inner city kids, like rather than, you know, being involved in gang activity, they were going to this equestrian center because a lot of times from getting to know everyone in the community and like talking to them extensively about this, um, they were speaking about how a lot of these kids just need a sense of family because they might not have family at home. And um family was found in gangs. And so when the sequestrian center was there, family was found at the sequestrian center. And then after it burned down, you know, some of the kids went back to like gang life and things like that and young adults. Yes. So I actually was there a couple of days ago and I'm helping put together a fundraiser with a few friends of mine. And we did some really amazing interviews with some of the uh, cowgirls and cowboys there talking about what this stable named the hill meant to them and um, what it does for the community. So we're trying to rebuild it for the community to have a place to go and to try to keep these kids like off of the streets and like if they have too much time on their hands after school and they don't have a good home life we want to help them recreate a place of you know a place of community so I'm working on that right now working on the fundraiser doing the edit and then um, we're working on a few things around that and then hopefully when that goes public there's a really really good outcome and people will donate money to rebuild the stable. So I've been going down there quite a bit and getting to know everybody more and more. And I have learned some incredible stories and it's like, you know, it's 20 minutes from my house and I'm like in a different world where I, when I go down there and it is, I feel so honored to have been, um, you know, embraced by everybody into their community and for them to share their stories with me and for them to allow me to photograph them and it's like they're so good on camera and they love it you know what I mean and there's just like so yeah those photos that's where it all started that's where those photos started from and then the project's actually been evolving but it's more of a motion project versus a still photography project because I think I captured the essence of everything that was going on in that first time series that I did but I'll continue to go down there and photograph them and hopefully start narrative no
0: they were great and with like you mentioned like the motion stuff is that something how long have you been kind of working in motion what do you kind of enjoy about it and how does it kind of differ from your still photography you think even if it does
1: i mean i started doing motion by accident like seven years ago or six years ago people are like can you direct this commercial and i'm like oh god i have no idea what that means but okay (laughs) and then next thing you know you just accidentally learned so now i'm just like fully doing it Mm -hmm. um and it's cool because I never thought I'd be a director, but now I'm like, Oh my God, I used to take one photo and had to express everything that I need to, uh, express all my feelings in one picture. And now I'm like, I get to do it in a clip. That's so cool. <laughs> like three seconds can almost allow you to smell the flowers, hear the bee like buzzing in the back of your ear while like you're, you're, you know, driving your car, listening to your favorite, like yeah song and there's fireworks in the background. And like, and it's just like you can create oh, it's so cool it is so cool like, I'm so obsessed with it like I can make things immortal I can create situations like you can just do anything in film and it's so beautiful and exciting and I don't even know like what's gonna happen with all of it. but I'm just excited about this new fruit of my career to flourish yeah. And and you know align that with my photography and my curious mind like i just want to tell people stories so like you know you start with the pictures but then all of a sudden the pictures start talking like how cool is that because in pictures like i tell people stories through my point of view i want to be able to tell people stories through their point of view and i'm just like Mm. there to help them do it like i'm seriously i feel like i'm a tool to help people speak um Mm. visually
0: no, it's exciting. It's just another way, like you said, another way of storytelling. And I guess in in terms of like advertising stuff um, on the business side, do you feel like nowadays like photographers need to be able to have that skill set of like being able to direct or just kind of handle a motion project? Or do you think it's like a necessity in terms of... No, way? I don't
1: think it's a necessity. I think it's like there's going to be room for directors, then the room for directors and photographers, and then the room just for photographers. I mean, it's obviously good to know everything. Nowadays, I'm expected to do 5,000 things and be good at them. And the reality is just that that's not the reality. I'm not a robot. I'm not a computer. And you just have to put your boundaries, like set your foot down and have your boundaries. Like, the shit that I've been asked to do on set before is just like, you want how many shots while I'm directing a commercial, rolling sound, shooting stills, doing social media stuff, and like, you know, trying to curate a positive experience, make an environment that I can document connect to my talent and be polite to my, 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 my like, you know, surroundings. And it's just, it's, it's overwhelming and it's stressful, but
2: Mm.
1: you just got to focus on one thing and get good at it. And maybe I'm in some hyperactive, I'm able to focus on two things and be good at them. Like, hopefully that's, what's going to happen is that it'll be motion and stills for me because I really enjoy it. But a lot of people ask for it, but most campaigns I'm doing, they come to me for motion and stills because I've been doing it for a while. But if you're a photographer, people are just going to come to you for photos. Not everyone's going to expect you to do video. Yeah.
0: No, No. it's interesting. And,
1: and also, don't take jobs away from other people. Like, if you're not supposed to do video, like, let somebody else do the video. Like, yeah. keep the work flowing for everybody else. Like, And that's how I think about it, too. When people tell me to, like, write my scripts, so like, you should write your own scripts, you should edit, you should produce, you should do everything. And I'm like, but then what about writers? Why... Would I take a job away from an amazing writer? I'd rather have somebody amazing at writing write a script that I could direct rather than me doing everything. And then you stop loving what you do because you're overwhelmed, and you're never going to be good at like ten things at once. Like yeah, like it's that. like
0: that. That's like uh, like you said, you, you you can't be good at everything and it's once you get in these bigger projects it really is a team environment and finding the people that have their skill set maybe it's like handling the camera and then you got your editor and that's that's when the amazing it's
1: good for the economy. it's good for the economy like yeah. have the work spread across the team that you need but we definitely live in a time where everything's expected like we're expected to be good at everything and i'm like like i was saying earlier like at my age i didn't learn these skills but like 20 year olds they're good at 10 things and the thing is they're really really good at it but is that going to make them happy for the rest of their lives or are they just going to get stressed out and
2: overwhelmed?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. A couple more questions. I'll let you go. Um, you know, I was interested in talking to you about, you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, but your personal project you've been working on for years called the Magdalena experience. Uh, I was curious, like, uh, what were those photos all about? How did it kind of come together? Um, working on that project.
1: Well, like I mentioned earlier, I used to be super shy and didn't want to approach people, so I started shooting self-portraits Yeah, when I was really, really young, like 14, you know? So this project, if you really want to go, like, that far back, it kind of started, oh my God, 21 years ago. Mm. Um, but when I started doing self-portraits, I we grew up pretty poor, we didn't really have like money for nice clothes and things like that and you know i was kind of looking at magazines to be like oh if you photograph something you need to like wear cool clothes and look like this and i'm like well i don't have access to that so i just took the clothes off because i was like no one will judge me Mm. if i have clothes on because if they see what i'm wearing they'll know i'm poor and i think i was embarrassed Mm. so i didn't want people to know that so by taking off the clothes it kind of made it you couldn't identify me and know what music I listened to or what I was into and it maybe became more timeless. But also I was taking these pictures when I was 14 being like a Polish girl who ran around naked till I like couldn't run around naked anymore because it's like just the way that our culture is in America. Oh my God. That's like just even speaking about it, people are probably like, Oh my God, that's child pornography. But I was just exploring my own body Mm. and I just didn't have anywhere to show these pictures. Not that I could, but I just kept everything, in, like boxes of negatives under my bed and it's not like when I was 18 I was like here's a photo of me naked but I definitely like just kept photographing myself for practice yeah. and then as the time went on and it evolved I, and I started traveling more I was so obsessed with nature and landscapes but I was like I'm not a nature photographer I'm like I want to put a human element in it so I started putting myself in those landscapes and sort of continuing that journey of exploring myself and my body and how I feel about myself as a woman and these landscapes and, you know, architectural places and things like that. And as it, as it kept going and going, this body of work was born, I mean, over 21 years. And now, I mean, it's really, really simple. It's just so it was timeless and you couldn't tell if it was, a photo from 1850 or 1999, because clothes will definitely define that, right? Yeah. But if you don't have any, you don't really know who or where I am or what I do. It's just the nude form and the landscape. And there's been amazing photographers that have done that yeah, before. Yeah. Like, you,
0: ever, you ever check out? You ever check out that guy Spencer Tunic? He uh, yeah. Totally. He shoots yeah. like he'll shoot like a thousand people nude like all over the world. It's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and his
1: is amazing because he does it with like really great intent, like climate change and things like that. So he does it and these people volunteer themselves and it's so hard to get people to be new. you know what I mean? Like people are really freaked out by it. And I guess me doing it of myself is like a sense of vulnerability and also to like inspire people to just feel like, okay with the sun on your skin and no one's around and like nobody else is in my pictures with me usually. Yeah. So it's like, it's just about you and your space and like, you know, just kind of embracing who you are and where you are and things like that. But it's very, like, freeing. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how that project started. And I plan on doing it for a long, long time. If I've done it this long, why not do it longer? And the only reason most people think I've only done it for 10 years is because Instagram started 10 years ago.
2: Yeah. And I
1: started posting pictures on Instagram 10 years ago. But it's been cool because I think some people get inspired, you know. Some people are like, oh, my God, I like what? To the edge of this cliff in Ireland, and my husband took a photo of me with my top, with my top off, and my boobs were facing the ocean, and it felt so amazing and liberating. Yeah, and it was really cool. Like I, a lot of like women have responded very like well to it, which is really cool because I guess it's about women's empowerment. Like feel like good, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, they're they're uh, really they're really powerful. I've never done like nude photography myself. Um, what do you feel like you learned most about? Um, working on that series, you think?
1: Well, I definitely worked How I learned one huge thing about American culture is that anything that has to do with nudity is overly sexualized right
2: away. Mm. And I'm
1: just like, really? I mean, I'm I'm just talking about laying in the grass because the sun feels good when you're naked. And here it's
2: like, (laughs) they're like,
1: no, you're going to hell. But that's very, very, very much in this country Mm -hmm. that I love and I embrace. But it's like, Through the series, I learned that. So it's interesting because it's opening my eyes up constantly to the culture of, like, how scared people are of something that's so simple because everybody's naked all the time under our clothes. You wake up naked. You shower naked. You do a lot of things naked. And then some people, it's for their privacy. Great. Not for me. Mm. I'm not a nudist, but I'm just a little bit more open about it's not to me like nudity isn't sex. To me, nudity is like the bark of a tree. It's nature. Mm -hmm. No, that's it's so. I don't even look at it sexually or sexualized or like I don't connect it to pornography or anything like that. And I think some people do, but it's it's it it bums me out when people do because I'm like, really, me standing millions of miles away in the middle of a green field of tall grass, like people think that that's pornography. Yeah, like it's more pornographic to take a selfie with lingerie on leaving a mystery of what's underneath that's like making people aroused. That's Mm -hmm. so different than the work I do.
2: Mm.
1: So hopefully if anybody listens to this, that thinks that way, I hope they change their mind because that is not the intention.
2: The intention is.
0: No, it's really, it's really interesting. It's just like, yeah, it's almost like you kind of open a conversation with people in, in a sense.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, kind of in photography, you have to do, you have to not have to, but I definitely have, photograph things that are like thought provoking and like you know are there for you to like think twice or question yourself or question what's in the picture like mm. we have to do that as artists sometimes you know Yep. it's open to interpretation yeah
0: no it's awesome and i guess this is my last question um you've been doing this for a while now um what kind of keeps you going what keeps you excited and uh what are you hoping to do in the future i guess
1: I mean, what keeps me excited is all the personal projects that I'm kind of working on now and the things that are going to come in the future. And I'm really excited about making this film about my mom that I've been working on for, like, years. But that'll be really, really fun once it's out there and comes to fruition. And then continuing to doing film and making cool art books and shooting for, you know, cool big brands that I respect. So that's what I'm excited about. And, like, it's hard to always keep going and stay positive, but you just got to remember that like you're really lucky (laughs) you know what I mean we're lucky just to be alive so mm -hmm. it's really important to just be humble and grateful for the things you have achieved and sometimes you get into this momentum where you're like I want more I need more I should be doing this and this and this and this and this shoulda coulda woulda whatever like you gotta just live in the present Mm -hmm. and just be focused on just being a good person and like making you know like for me it's like making sure that I'm telling people stories
0: yeah yeah, perfect. That's
1: what my purpose is. So that's what makes me happy.
0: I like it. Well you got me pumped up over here. I gotta start shooting some more photos and get it going, you know? Um <laughs> but for people listening, uh, where's the best place to check out your work?
1: Um, they can look at my website, Magdalena dot com. Hardest last name to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. And then I do have a um a Instagram account for my photo stuff called Magda Voshinska Studio. So that's where people can check it out. Perfect. And email me if you have questions and things like
0: that. Perfect. I'll link it, and thanks so much.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Hey, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. I actually wanna tell you about a new image transfer tool I've been using lately called PicDrop. It's a really great tool when you need to send off those big files to your clients you're working with. It was actually designed by a photographer, so they really had photographers in mind when they designed it, and I've been using it for about a month now, and it, I, I really enjoy it. Like, what I what it's done for me is just kinda helped me keep everything organized in one spot. I can create custom folders and galleries for different clients that I'm working with, and my clients can actually communicate with me on the platform, and they can write Write notes, and rate the photos I send to them. Um, so like I said, it's just kind of helped me streamline my business and keep everything organized in one spot. And I can't say enough about it. And actually with today's podcast, you're actually going to get three months free when you sign up at PickDrop.com. Just enter the promo code PHOTOBANTER when you sign up at PickDrop.com and you'll get three months free of the PickDrop image transfer tool. But uh, yeah, l- go check it out and let me know what you guys think. Like I said, I've been enjoying my experience with it and can't say enough about it. And also, just got to give a big shout out to our guest today, Magdalena Wozinska. Um, such a pleasure talking with her. Uh, this is the passion she has for photography and filmmaking and everything she does. Uh been a big big fan of her work. Um, so can't thank her enough. And definitely go check out Magdalena's website at MagdalenaWozinska.com as well as her Instagram, Magda Wozinska Studio. Um, I'll link it in the description and everything. But definitely go check it out. She has lots of cool work up there. And as always I'll be having weekly podcasts every monday on itunes soundcloud as well as spotify now um and also on my website alexgagnephoto.com, as well as on my instagram at alexganyephoto thanks so much and take care